For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for listening to our podcast. This Ram Nation radio episode with Joe Parker is brought to you by Peterson Toyota, your local Toyota dealer serving Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tinmouth for more than 50 years. It's also made possible by Ginger and Baker, our favorite restaurant in all of Fort Collins, as well as the Ram Zone, powered by the CSU Bookstore, the best place to get all of your Ram gear. They sponsor all of our Pick'em and Bracket contests all year long. But let me start with Peterson Toyota, who's been a fantastic Ram Nation partner for years. They are diehard Ram fans and supporters. In fact, just last week for the San Jose State game, they sponsored and gave away 2,000 rally towels shaped like little CSU Ram jerseys. Pretty awesome. I love partnering with fellow CSU-loving organizations, and that's what these guys are. Peterson Toyota has served for the Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tinmouth communities for more than 50 years. If you're in the market for a new vehicle, not only will you find the latest Toyota models, you'll also find a friendly and accommodating staff eager to help you find the one that's right for you. One to keep an eye on is the all-new 2024 Land Cruiser with prices starting in the mid-50,000 range. Explore unfamiliar terrain with remarkable capabilities and legendary reliability. They have a large selection of other Toyotas as well and certified pre-owned vehicles also. Whatever you're looking for, Peterson has something for you, all at competitive pricing and financing. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please get Peterson Toyota for a shot at your business. Thanks and enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Cantalamessa. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by my partner, Mike Rowe, as well as CSU Athletic Director Joe Parker for a monthly conversation. We'll discuss the latest in Ramland. We were off last week, not necessarily by design. It was a busy week for us, got away from us a little bit. Mike was actually at the Waste Management Phoenix Open for half the week last week, so that kind of made our scheduling tough. We did try to we wanted to do a live call with him from uh, from the number 16 stadium on Thursday, but the weather there that day kind of screwed up our plans. So we'll make up for it, though. We'll have two episodes this week. Uh, today's with Joe Parker, and then we'll also be bringing you an interview with former CSU star golfer and current PGA pro Martin Laird. He was in Phoenix uh, for the tournament this past weekend. Had a good shooting. I think he finished minus four. We'll talk with him about that. That'll be a fun conversation. We'll also have Mike break down his experience there. He's been doing it for years. He's got some really great stories from it. Uh, And uh, if you're in his private text chat, he sends you some interesting photos. I'll just say say it that way. Uh, He and I are also attending the Ram Recruiting Roundup tonight in Denver at the Denver Country Club. That is always a great event. Uh, Usually get a few good tidbits out of it. Joe Parker will be there. It's put on by the Alumni Association as well. Our members of the Alumni Association will be there. I mean, and there's also some student athletes that'll be there. So we usually get some good tidbits and we'll try to share that in our our, uh, next episode later this week also. But first I wanted to acknowledge the men's basketball team for bouncing back the way that they have um, from that. One of the toughest losses I've ever seen uh, in Wyoming, at Wyoming back on January 27th. 
a lot of teams really could have done a nosedive after that one. Um, and I know a lot of our fans did. Believe me, it was a tough one for me to shake off as well. But this team has character. It's got great senior leadership. And it's got a great coaching staff that uh, really picked themselves up off the mat. And uh, after that loss, just, uh, what, three days later, came home, took care of business against a really good San Diego State game, really controlled that game. Then went on the road, got their first Mountain West road win of the season at Fresno State, then came home again and really handled Boise State, and another top-tier team in this league, a team that's challenging for the Mountain West title. Uh, so a really good showing against Boise State and then pretty much throttled San Jose State Friday night as well. So a great four-game winning streak right now. Granted, the schedule did help set them up for success. The Rams play well at home against anybody. So getting San Diego State there and Boise State there was good. Obviously, San Jose State just doesn't have the horses this year. And then the road road game at Fresno. Uh, a lot of teams have gone there and had success this year. So, But it was the first one on the road this year in Mountain West play. And they needed to get that monkey off their back and, and get that win. And, and, and overall, you can just tell that the team is playing better basketball, starting to get their stroke back. There's still a couple guys that are shaking off some things, but overall, shooting the ball much better, getting back to moving the ball much better, playing, still playing very good defense. I think even in their losses, they 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 played good enough defense to win in, in several of our losses in Mountain West play here. But just getting back to a better brand of basketball, guys that you really needed to step up like Joel Scott have done that. It's been a, a fun stretch to watch and get them get their mojo back. I, I will say that it is hard in this league to win on the road, just as it is, as it is in a lot of the top leagues in the country. I was looking at some of the the overall record and actual visit visiting team records isn't as bad. It's quite as bad as I thought. Twenty three and thirty six is the uh, is the visiting team record in Mountain West play this year. But if you look at the so-called top six teams, and I'm referring to Utah State, CSU, New Mexico, San Diego State, Boise, and Nevada, although UNLV is right there also, and Wyoming's on a couple games behind that. But if you look at just those top six teams, there's only been six total home losses from those six teams. CSU and San Diego State are both undefeated at home currently. Uh, Nevada and Utah State each have lost just one home game. And uh, New Mexico and Boise State have each lost two. New Mexico with a, a real dagger to their resume, um, for, or at least their aspirations to try to win the league, took a big hit with losing to UNLV at home Saturday night. But you can even look further down from those top six teams. You look at a, a team like UNLV, they're, they're tied with Nevada in the, league, in the standings right now at six and four. They've lost just two home games as well. And uh, Wyoming has lost only one. So you look at the top eight teams in this league and it's tough to go into those places and win a game so you're you have to absolutely take care of business at home if you have any aspirations of winning the league and then you got to go grab a couple on the road right you got to certainly win the ones at fresno san jose state air force for the teams that are playing there unfortunately csu doesn't get a trip to san jose state that's a bummer uh, but you have to win those games and then you're going to have to grab a couple other games from the top six. That's a tall task. It really is. So if you look at the standings in the league right now, Utah State with a hammering of Boise State at home Saturday, you really thought that that was a, if Boise State gets that one, they're in pretty good shape. But uh, instead, Utah State just really took care of business. They stand alone at eight and three atop the league. 
And then there are four teams tied for second. That's CSU, New Mexico, San Diego State, Boise State, all at seven and four. And Nevada and UNLV right behind that at six and four. Wyoming's at five and five. But uh, so you look at that, and, and I know that I said that our loss to Wyoming really put a dent in our hopes to win the league. I stand by that still because um, you, you look at the difficulty of winning on the road, but you are going to have to, to, to keep up with Utah State. You're not only going to have to win out at home versus schedule, by the way, that still includes Utah State, Nevada, and Wyoming. You know, Utah State and Nevada especially are not going to be pushovers. Uh, but you're also going to have to go on the road and probably win two of your final four in your in your road slate down the down the stretch here. And that includes uh, games at San Diego State. That's that's tomorrow. That's Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific time on CBS Sports Network, by the way. And then you've got games at the Pit next Wednesday. Another tough road game. They, they've shown a little bit of a chink in the armor there. But uh, that is that is going to be a tough one to go in there and win. And you still got to go to UNLV, who is playing some really good basketball right now. And you got to go to their place and and uh, and try to find a win. And then you close the season against Air Force, who, and that that's on the road down in Clune, uh, Moby South. But uh, everyone seems to go in there and beat them this year. But that is a team that should have had the Rams beat earlier this uh, league season in Moby when the Rams pulled out a miracle to send that game to overtime and, and pull out a win. Really didn't have much business winning that game. Um, so even the bottom of the barrel in our league has given us fits this year. So you got to win that one on the road. If you can go, if you can somehow win three of those four, then you're in business, win two of those. And, and you still got a shot as well. So looking at Utah's outlook here at eight and three, a game better than everybody else. They have a little bit more of a favorable schedule. They still, they, they have to go to Wyo. They have to go to CSU. Obviously that's a must win for CSU. Uh, they have to go to San Jose state and Fresno state. So Obviously, we we expect to to beat them at Moby, but those other three games are very winnable. Their home games are San Jose State, Air Force, and New Mexico. So yes, you did hear that right. They still have San Jose State twice uh, remaining on their schedule. So New Mexico is obviously the the challenge of their remaining home games. So they are sitting in pretty good shape. You're going to have to hope that obviously we have to beat them. Can Wyo? do us a favor and get a win over them in Laramie, that would help. And then New Mexico going into the spectrum and winning. So those are your, those are your three hopes or your two hopes, really. The Wyoming and, and New Mexico, you really need the, two of those guys to win. And I, what are the likely – yes, could another shocker happen between one of those others, the other teams on their schedule? Yes, but that's not likely. So And, and then if, if you do get help from Wyoming – or New Mexico there, and then obviously CSU gets you another, uh, gives them another loss. Say Wyoming or New Mexico beats them, that that puts them at five losses. That would mean CSU would still have to close the season with only one more loss. So that's tough. You'd have to win three of your final four road games, win all of your home games just to tie with Utah State. So that's a tall, tall task. San Diego State also in pretty good shape. They host CSU, New Mexico, San Jose State, and Boise State. They have just two road games left at Fresno State and at UNLV. So they are in pretty good shape. Home games against us, New Mexico and Boise uh, will present the biggest challenges at UNLV is also a challenge. But uh, I, I think that they are probably a favorite right now with what they have left. Nevada, 
They have got home games against New Mexico, Wyoming, Fresno, and UNLV. Road games at UNLV, San Jose State, CSU, and Boise. Uh, and by the way, Nevada is is behind us one game in the standings right now from a uh, a win standpoint. They have they played one fewer games. Uh, they are at uh, six and four. Um, Boise State has Fresno State, San Jose State, New Mexico, and Nevada at home. Their road games are at Wyo, Air Force, and San Diego State. So if you look at that, that's a slightly better outlook, in my opinion, than CSU as far as uh, favorable schedule schedules go. They got two challenging home games remaining, as do the Rams. Uh, but their toughest road game remaining is San Diego State, uh, while we have San Diego State and at the pit. So I think we need help from some of these opponents on Boise State's schedule. Otherwise, I think they have a, a decent uh, path forward to the title. New Mexico, again, like I said, I think they took a hit with their second home loss this weekend. UNLV uh, probably takes them out of the running, barring a couple uh, unexpected wins and other teams losing. They have home games, CSU, Air Force, Fresno, road at Nevada, San Diego State, Boise, and Utah State. Tough tough road slate left for them. All four of those are very difficult. So they uh, they are done. UNLV, by the way, and everyone's no one's been talking about UNLV as, as, as challenging for a conference title, but... I mean, watch out for these guys right now. They're one game out of second place, two games out of first, and they have a doable schedule left. They have home games against a rival Nevada, home games against CSU, and home game against San Diego State and San Jose State. And then you've got road games at Fresno, Air Force, Wyo, and Nevada. So probably the lightest road slate left of anybody. But, you know, being as inconsistent as they have been this year, they have dumped some inexplicable games uh, like a 30-point loss at home to Air Force, losing at home to Southern, uh, they will probably dump one or two that they shouldn't out of those remaining games. So, But it's just, uh, Kamen, it just, just shows you the depth of this league when you've got a team like that that's that's right there. So I don't know about any of you, but this is uh, this has been a really truly enjoyable season, not just as a Ram fan, but a fan of the Mountain West. It's really been really a big-time conference this season. And talk nationally pundits openly rooting for the lead to get six bids at the end of the day i don't know that that will work out it, there's just too many teams playing each other down the stretch uh someone will probably lose their first round mountain west tournament game you loot unlv will probably have something to say about that and just knock somebody out and so you'll probably end up with five i really hope that you don't get knocked down to four. You just never know, especially with what happens with bid stealers around the country. But there are definitely five teams um, that have resumes worthy of consideration of an at-large bid. Tough few remaining weeks for the league still to go. So anything can happen, but regardless, amazing season. It's big time basketball, night in, night out grind, just as you'd see in any other of the top leagues in the country. Teamrankings.com has the Mountain West is the fourth best in the league or in the country ahead of Big East, ACC, and the Pac-12. I haven't looked at Ken Palm, whether that backs that or not. I, I kind of feel probably not uh, the bottom four teams in the league probably drag down the overall rating of the league, um, probably lower than, than those other conferences. But um, you look at NCAA net rankings, they do have uh, the top six the Mountain West top six teams are in the top 50 still. It's been that way almost this entire season. Uh, UNLV is at 87. Uh, so the seventh team, at the, the seventh lowest team is at 87. 
Lots of regular season left. Let's just say the teams that do get in this year, we really need them to make some noise. There's been too many flops from the league in the postseason, and and of all of the goodwill that the league has garnered this year, you got to back it up with a little bit of success in the tournament. Hopefully, one or two teams can make a run, win a couple of games, get to the Sweet 16 would be awesome. It'd be great if if every team could could win one. And that would really be a statement. So, I'm ecstatic of about the prospect of what CSU can do in the tournament this year with the guard play, uh, with the with the the talent that this team has. But uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I really want the Rams to win the regular season title. I've never seen it done since I've been a fan. Started school in 91. So I missed the tiny arrow just barely. But this team has the talent to do it. You're going to have to win some huge games down the stretch. And uh, that starts tomorrow night in San Diego. If you get that, it's game on. So, all right. Uh, before we bring in Mike and Joe Parker, let me pause real quick and tell you about Ginger and Baker. They have an amazing experience at the cash. You can enjoy fine steaks and chops, good whiskey, or select from their award-winning wine list. Or you can visit the cafe restaurant where Chef Ryan specializes in comfort food done right. Just a few days ago, he unveiled a couple of new dishes to the menu. Chicken fried chicken with country gravy, mashers, and fried Brussels. Or sloppy Joe sliders with house pickles and spicy cheese sauce. Starving just thinking about that. Ginger and Baker also features a coffee shop, market, teaching kitchen, event spaces, and bakery. The latter of which is offering up some new sweet Valentine's Day treats in the pastry case through February 18th. They've got linker cookies, sugar cookies, red velvet cake truffles, and meringue pops, all made from scratch. This place is so amazing, guys. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, happy to bring in CSU Athletic Director Joe Parker for our monthly catch-up with him. Joe, how are you? Great, Joel. Good to see you. Yep. As far as basketball goes, we are back in the thick of it, which was which is awesome because we hit that little lull that a lot of teams go through, seem to have snapped out of it, and uh, find ourselves in the middle of the race, tied for second place, one game back of Utah State. Just a week or two ago, we were like, wow, looks like we may be out of it, but this conference is stacked this year. It is tough for people to win on the road, and it's anyone's league right now. Yeah, it sure is. And, um, you know, I think everyone felt like after the Wyoming loss that, you know, is there a pathway forward? And and sure enough, I mean, the 70, 72 intervening hours between Wyoming and, and our, our home game against San Diego State, mm -hmm. I thought Nico did an incredible job just getting the team focused, ready to play, shaking off a devastating loss and, and having them recognize that really still their, uh, their destiny was in their own hands. They just had to kind of figure out a way forward. And and he, uh, he did it. You know, it was really special to see that. One of the telling things about the way fans have responded this year was after that tough loss, you come back home and it's packed to the gills again and, and raucous. And, and I just, I, I'm wondering, is this the best season that you have seen as far as fans go? Have you guys pulled any metrics on that? Was, I can't remember if two years was any better or, <laughs> any previous years with Larry, but it just seems like even, even when the students were gone, we had some really great crowds and, um, and we've had several sellouts and even the couple games that have not been sellouts are close to sellout. So I wonder if you guys have looked at that at all. Yeah. I, I think this could end up being the best season in the history of, you know, um, you know, in the nine years that I've been a part of CSU, 
Um, that the, the season you're referencing two years ago, David Roddy's final season, we sold out the last five games. You might remember that yeah. three of the, the first three sellouts weren't really, I mean, they weren't true sellouts because we just kind of let additional students come in mm-hmm. and the final two, if I remember correctly, we, we held the students to their allotment and we were able to sell every other available ticket to, um, the general public. And, and this year, you know, our, our goal was seven sellouts, and I think we're at five right now already. Um, that's including Wyoming, which is already sold out. That was, That's the final home game on Saturday, March 2nd. Did I see Utah State game is also sold out coming up? I thought that uh, was- it, it, I, you know, Chris is sitting in an office away. I, I haven't asked him. but I could have swore I saw a social post about that as well. But um, Okay. Well, that would be great. So even if yeah. it's not already, it should be. It will that'll be a, yeah. a doozy. Yeah. Uh, how has this been? Uh, I, I know you. Some of that was offset by letting students in, but from a revenue standpoint, is it is it been a nice boost at all I, for you it, guys? It's helpful, um, but you know, it, it's you know the numbers are are different than the the scale of of football. You know, a, a basketball sellout means in about incremental revenue probably anywhere from 60 to ninety thousand dollars and those incremental ticket sales you know because we do dynamic pricing so it's always a little bit different and then you know a sellout means you know really good concession performance so so it all makes a difference it all makes a difference and and then you look at so I, i know that the women had their great sellout was that last week a couple weeks ago now but again, you guys were selling tickets for a dollar. Is that kind of like, hey, let's give a great experience to the student athletes. Let's make some concession money. And does that work out at the yeah. end of the day? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, you know, I've got to got to really um, acknowledge President Parsons' role in that. You know, she she uh, she said that she wanted to be a part of a sellout for women's basketball, and and really got. Um, you know, a lot of our external stakeholders motivated that ordinarily probably would not show up at a women's basketball game. And she also mobilized, you know, the marketing and communications enterprise of the entire university, not just um, athletics. And, you know, the dollar price point, you know, made it a low threshold for people to to make that commitment. And I, I think we ultimately sold well over 9,000 tickets um, we had we had several situations where people bought you know blocks of two fifty five hundred or even a thousand, you know, just to help us get there. So then the question was, you know, are the tickets actually going to be utilized and are people going to show up? And and sure enough, they did. So it was a great environment for our women's team. And uh, you know, even though there wasn't a lot of uh, financial impact by the ticket sales themselves, uh, again concessions took off we had we had the biggest concession day for women's basketball in the history of the program and i think we we're close to thirty seven thousand dollars of concession sales wow well that's great that's a that's a great thing for women's sports and and it was like was that our first one ever is that what you said um for first and i think 25 years you know the becky Since hammer, becky hammer uh, yeah 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 becky there were some sellouts then um but our record keeping wasn't audited <laughs> <laughs> You know, so I, I can't verify, you know, now, now I think we're, we're pretty tight on, on just, you know, the, the information systems that we have that, you know, record, record and audit our, our uh, activity in that space. But, 
but yeah, I, it, it definitely was the first sellout since Becky's time on campus. Gotcha. My mom, my mom said it was great meeting you that day. So. Oh, good. There you go. Yeah, it was nice to meet her. Hey, uh, is there any? Uh, and hi, hello, Michael. Um, is there any reason why those two sections, there's one right kind of adjacent to the media row and then one right next to the band? Is there a reason we keep those empty? I mean, every now and then the couple people will sit in there, but I don't know if we're not selling those seats or what's going on there, but they're they're like almost always fully empty. Are you describing behind the goal, I guess? No, nope. it's a corner and it's right um, kind of below to the if you were sitting in the media row just below them to the left uh to the left is a section that's always completely empty and it's a small it's, section is it it's, it's like the uh it's like the area where the vip section is in front of l i think that's the those are the sections that joel are talking about just on the opposite side yeah so i i below the loft below the but on the other side other side huh on the, so on right, the east right side. to the like, if you were coming out that tunnel there, right to Just your the, left, the first section. It's okay, it. so low, low to the court, low to the court. Yeah, low to the court. Yeah, I didn't know if there was a. No. Maybe there's no reason. I, I don't know, but I thought yeah. maybe. Yeah, I'll I'll have to ask Chris. I'm not sure what that allotment is and why. Well, why I just uh, first started noticing. I think it was the San Diego State game, um, when it was packed. And then, but except for that one section was completely empty. I'm like, there's got to be a reason for it. But um, yeah, anyway, kind of opposite, I, opposite where the, uh, you know, where we've got the media tables kind of just above that tunnel you're referencing below the loft mm -hmm. you know, so opposite. That's, that's, um, and we call it, kind of call it a, a loge area. So we sell those either on a single ticket basis or we can sell it sort of as a, as a group. So that's, that's not always full um but yeah I'll, i know in the area you're talking about yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to ask chris to find out what the yeah. 11 is why, why those tickets aren't always filled up um the other thing is i was sitting there you know we've been getting into the arena nice and early it's kind of kind of fun to watch warm-ups and stuff usually you're just racing in for tip-off but uh the thing i noticed is i mean do we do anything with the uh, the old press area or whatever that is at the very top of the arena is that just like old and decrepit and no one's allowed up there because it could collapse or or is is can that be like repurposed for anything or when is that um, ever used yeah there we some of our game operations activities happen up there but yeah it's it's um i've only climbed up there once or twice i think i've been up there twice myself on a non-game day but it's not easy to get to and yeah i don't it's I a don't, hike up there it sure is how have uh how are our Mountain West tournament sales going? Um, I know you a little bit pacing ahead of where it ordinarily has been. Um, it it's been interesting for you know we we've talked a lot. One we we, we we've, I, I made this comment to you guys before. You know, winning is the only strategy, and I you know I, I really have come to kind of realize that you know we can do a lot of things right, and and when we do those things right, it gives us a chance to to capitalize on when our teams do in fact perform um you know the team hotel this year will be the weston which is on flamingo yeah you know we, we like that hotel because it's a non-casino hotel and it's a non-smoking hotel so it just seems like it's a little more normalized feel to it so it gives the, the team a chance to sort of um you know separate from the 
the uh, the you know entertainment of Las Vegas, but it's within striking distance of the Strip, so people can kind of walk into to all that activity. Uh, but you know, we've probably helped people there with more rooms than we have in the past. I, th I think our block is filled now, uh, but it's it's been you know more of just encouraging people almost on a one-on-one -on -one basis, you know, to to see if they will you know, modify their spring schedule and carve out time to come to Las Vegas for, for basketball and support the CSU teams. And, um, you know, we've always had a really strong core group, not a large group, but a, a good core group. Uh, we, we, you know, we haven't been able to, you know, get the level of support that like San Diego state does or New Mexico does, you know, I think those two schools are drivable. Obviously UNLV is, you know, we're embedded in their community so they usually have pretty strong attendance, particularly if their team is is playing well and their fans think they have a chance to to, to compete and kind of advance into the tournament. Wyoming, you know, usually has a, a really good crowd. Uh, but, you know, I, I think if you're in Wyoming, you're probably looking for a time to get out and away and find some warmer weather. So, you know, you know, but but. I feel like Rams, you know, they, there's I talked to a lot of people who spend time in Vegas. They just haven't kind of gotten their their Vegas trip aligned with um, the timing of the Mountain West tournament. We'd really like to build it into something special if we can. You know, it's it's uh, makes a big difference to have fans in the stands for our team, and I think it's it's also a a key engagement opportunity for the university. And I know Amy has been really energized around trying to. Uh, you know, get our, our, our fan base to think differently and, and get some of our key supporters there to, to experience the, the, the tournament and, and hopefully watch our teams win. You know, women start on Sunday, they'll finish on Wednesday, men start on Wednesday and finish on Saturday. You know, hopefully our teams are, are ranked high enough where each of them gets a bye. So they'll start the day later, but, but, um, it's a great event. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go out on Monday and, uh, don't plan to come back until Saturday night after the championship game when we win the, it, win the it, tournament. This could be right up there. I think it was 2011, which multiple sessions were sold out. And that's pretty incredible for a, uh, for a conference tournament tournament. But uh, I think it's going to be level of play wise, similar to that back then when there was Jimmer Fredette, Kawhi Leonard, uh, every fan base brought a nice chunk of fans. It was awesome. Um, do how many, how many, uh, tickets does each school get? I think we're at 500 now is what the, the allotment is. Yeah. Well, good. Looking forward to that. I wanted to ask you about, uh, this last home game. We had a student who took it upon himself to run out on the court and, uh, it sounds like they caught him and disciplined him, but, uh, you don't normally see that in basketball. You see it every now and then in football. Some someone will run out and try to escape. But I don't know what this kid's end game was. But uh, what what did you think about that, and how was that handled? Um, I was not happy about it. It you know it 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 puts you know some significant jeopardies on our team. Um, you know they they called a technical and and it cost a point. And you know it could have could have you know, had an impact on the outcome of the game in a, in a season where every game matters. And, uh, you know, you know, it just, it was, it was foolish. And, you know, I mean, I, I want our students to, to be there. I want our students to, 
bring energy and enthusiasm and support our program. But when you do things that are detrimental to the program, then there's there's no place for that. Um, you know, yes, we did catch the young man. Um, I think he was cited for, you know, I don't know, a, a trespassing charge of some kind. And and uh, I think he'll end up getting referred to student conduct. So, you know, he he's going to face some consequences. And I, I think it was definitely a premeditated event. Um, you know, there was a video posted on social media that, you know, you, you, you had to have been aware that he was planning to do that if you right. were going to capture that video. So, you know, we're hopeful that he will cooperate and let us know who else was involved. And, and then those students will also face consequences. And, and one of the consequences in the case of CSU Athletics is he's banned from attending games for one year. So his student ID will not be active. He won't be able to come to football. So he'll miss a CU. CU. I'm not sure what year of school he is, assuming that he still has time here on campus, but he uh, he won't be able to come to the CU game. So that'll be, uh, a, you know, a hit hopefully. But, you know, it, it just, you know, I mean, it, it, it you know, you, you could injure a player on the court. You could do a lot of things and it just, there's no place for it. And it just, to me, it, it demonstrates that some of our students really aren't thinking about the impacts. You know, I go back to the Air Force game with snowing, throwing snowballs. You know that that uh, that had consequences too, and it was just hard to identify. You know who was involved. I think ultimately we we referred close to forty students to student conduct um, in that case. But but need our students in the building, but we need them to to you know to uh, behave appropriately. Well, and he, and he did it in the middle of play it wasn't like yeah. during timeout he could have plowed over somebody or gotten plowed over himself hurt hurt a player that that would not have been good yep yep so <clears throat> we received a technical foul for that kind of in a in a when they were kind of creeping back into the game so it was kind of a big deal but that same ref the night before in the Gonzaga game they stopped play for about five minutes while their fans were throwing stuff on the court. No technical for them. As as an AD, is is there is this kind of stuff brought up in, in Mountain West meetings or through other channels? Because that just seems like, like like he was looking for an excuse to to tee CSU up. Same ref that kicked out Neek against Washington. Questionable calls, but the same ref at Utah State. So is this stuff talked about? I mean, are, are there ways that you go through just to point out stuff like this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, every, you know, after every game, you know, the, the conference office grades officials out and they're scored. And, and, you know, in basketball, that has impact on their ability to access postseason play, whether it be officiating the tournaments, conference tournaments, or or the NCAA t- tournament. Um you know, the, the, the challenge has been, you know, there's just not a lot of people that are stepping up that are prepared to to officiate, you know, at the Division One level. You know, an ideal situation would be is that, you know, you at the end of the year, you grade people and, and maybe you, you know, you eliminate the bottom 10% and you let the next up people, you know, come on board so that there's always, you know, continuous improvement in that space but you know we just aren't at that point where we have that ability to do it but you know after the Wyoming game you know I I reached out to the conference office I know I know 
Coach Medved did too. Um, you know, we were really disappointed in the way that that game was managed in many ways. Um, you know, but you hear it all across the country. You know, there's a there's a there's a, a call out for you know officials to be held accountable because you know they they do important jobs and their jobs have impact. And when they get you know when they don't get it right, you know it 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 has um, you know can have significant impact on careers and and uh, outcomes and. And you know it's important that their their uh, their work is as strong and as good as anyone else that's involved. So, Court Stormy's been in the news a lot the last couple of weeks after the K Caitlin Clark thing in in at Ohio State. Now, over the last few years, we've had some uh, we our fans have rushed to the court uh, after some big games, after some last second buzzer beaters, and it's it's part of the game. How how have you done such a good job, really, of managing something like that to keep both teams, to keep the, especially the opposing teams safe? Yeah, you know, we, we've got a, a really great partner. You know, it's Landmark that has just re recently been required or acquired by um, Universal, Allied Universal. So, um, you know, we've, we've got great expertise um, that that. Landmark was once owned and managed by Pete Kransky. He, he sold the business. He's still, I think, involved in a consulting contract. But Pete and a lot of his leadership team are based right here in Fort Collins. And they they, uh, you know, they're they're contracted by the NFL. They do the Super Bowl. So they they have every kind of best practice. And, and as I mentioned, you know, a lot of his key leadership team is also embedded here in Fort Collins. So they're, they're doing our games, you know, so it's great to have that, that level of expertise and best practices. And when it comes to, to basketball, you know, we, you know, we recognize we're not going to be able to manage, you know, or, or, or prevent a court storming. But what we do do is we put a special emphasis on uh, protecting and, and providing uh, appropriate separation from the team bench area and what might be occurring on the on the court broadly, you know. So they'll they'll put a um, you know a line out to protect you know the the teams and 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 I think the building layout is really helpful too. You know, they the the, the visiting team, you know, once they finish the handshake, you know, they're they're turning due east and they're moving straight out that that exit point from the court, you know, that's nearest to the the visiting team bench. And, and once they're in the outer corridor, you know, there's just, there's a straight shot into their locker room. Um, and then, and then even, you know, we, we, their, their, their visiting team bus is parked, you know, right out there. So they're, they're, they're hardly ever going to intersect or interface with anyone other than, you know, game management personnel or their own staff, which is perfect. So, you know, Mike, it's just, you know, thoughtful planning and and then hopefully, you know, appropriate execution on game day. Hey, I haven't read a whole lot about this, except for I've seen it brought up a few times and it sounds like it could be something that impacts the NCAA. But uh, there's a group of students at Dartmouth that are trying to unionize student athletes or something in that fashion. You know, what can you tell us about that and what that would mean for potentially for the NCAA and, and impact on student athletes? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a case that was brought before the National Labor Relations Board. Um, there's regional directors of those boards that that, uh, you know, make an opinion or a judgment on on the case. 
um, you know, there, there can be appeals that take place, but no, a group of, I don't know if it was the entire Dartmouth team or a, a subset of the Dartmouth men's basketball team, they, they brought a complaint to the National Labor Relations Board and asked for an evaluation if, if they, um, if the activities that were required of them triggered employee status. And um, I think it was just a single regional director that that reviewed the case and made a determination that yes, they are employees. Now, Dartmouth is a private institution. Um, you know, publics aren't, you know, you know, if you remember probably close to 10 years ago now, maybe at least, at least um, similar case was brought against Northwestern in, in, the, in the space of football. And uh, they, they got a can't remember what the initial ruling was, but ultimately, I think through appeal, uh, it was found that they they weren't considered students. But you know, it, it's I, I think in some ways, um, you know, obviously there's a, a political undertone to this. Um, you know, I, I think unions are striving to to you know to uh, you know expand their influence. Um, you know, what will the long-term impact be for college athletics uh, is yet to be determined, you know, even though they got the the ruling of employee status from the, the regional director, you know, there's an appeal process and will it be upheld? I don't know. Um, but, but it just, it kind of dovetails into all the other things that are occurring right now for college sports, you know, the, the, you know, just the movement of NIL and the transfer portal and, and, you know, the court rulings and, and some of the class action lawsuits that are still under play that are going to, you know, shape, shape and reshape college sports for a while. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, personally, I, I really hope that we don't find an unfortunate way to detach from the educational model that's in place. And, you know, I, I, I think there's tremendous, value that's delivered to the majority of the students that you know have access to education and you know utilize the experience to to play the sport they love but but also uh, you know earn a college degree and then with that degree go out and you know assume um you know career responsibilities like any one of us outside of sport switching over to football here a little bit um well, first of all, we get to see you tonight at Denver Country Club, which will be great. Uh, can you give us a preview of any of the student athletes that might be in attendance? Uh, that that's been separately organized by the Green and Gold Guards, so I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I, you know, I'm sure it'll be some of the guys that you know that you would imagine. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm assuming Tori Horton will be there. I'm assuming uh, Braden Fowler, Nick Losey, you know, Jack Howell, Henry Blackburn, you know, those kind of guys, but I'm not, not entirely sure. I'll, I'll get a brief at some point, but yeah. Um, it's a, you know, I think that'll be a portion of the activities. It's a, a, a pure NIL event organized by the green and gold guard. And then, then, then we'll have our, our traditional, you know, Ram, Ram roundup where we'll learn all about the incoming class and hear from coach Norvell and some yeah. of his it's a great event. Look forward to that every year. So look forward to seeing it tonight. Yeah, um, it is. And we, we do too, Joel, you know, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, it's usually draws a couple hundred people or more and, you know, 
it's always a great time of year. Hey, just uh, I know that the football season ticket renewal was this past week or the deadline. Anyway, I know that people have said, hey, the prices went up. Do you know, can you explain? I think obviously part of that is with the seventh home game. Um, but I think someone said there's an additional parking increase. Was there a, do you know if there was also a um, donation requirement increase per seat or anything like that? I, I saw people talking about it, but I, I don't know myself. Yeah, so um, there there was not a price. If you were a renewing season ticket holder and you responded by the deadline, either in full payment or put yourself on a payment plan, there was not an increase in the season ticket price, even with the seventh game and even with CU on the schedule. For people that missed the February 7th renewal deadline, then there, if they still want their season tickets, there will be a price increase as there will be an increase for anyone who's buying season tickets for the first time. So um, no donation increases unless we did a few little tweaks by section, no change in access to the new Belgium porch, no change in access to the OCR field club. Um, but, but yeah, so if, if you responded by the renewal deadline, um, you renewed at the same price that I, that season ticket strip was last year and we'll see you in a seventh home game. Well, I'm glad I renewed then. Yeah. Yeah. We're just trying to get people to be responsive and conditioned, um, you know, to dead, you know, I mean, we're, we think we're fair, uh, you know, but, you know, and, you know, if there's, you know, so I, I would just encourage people to, to, you know, pay attention and respond, you know, we, we, we see who's coming and, and we got to be prepared for that. We got to know how many tickets we have available to sell on a, on a, on a game by game basis, particularly for that game. So, you know, getting the season ticket renewals done is, is an important part of that process. How were the season ticket renewals? Um, I, I'll have to ask Chris. I think we're probably over 80% or will be, you know, by the time everyone completes their payments. How how does that stack up against other years? Is, is that just typical right there? And About everyone... the same, yeah. I think we're usually low 80s, mid 80s um, on a percentage basis. Uh, you know, this was a big year for premium seating because a lot of our first-time subscribers um, did a seven-year term. So this was the end of the seventh-year term. And I think in, in the case of the suites, all those that were up for renewal, we only had one that elected not to not to renew, which, you know, that's fine. We've already got it sold, so we're in good shape. I know you and I have talked offline about this, but um, and you said you guys were kind of investigating a little bit, but anything new planned for the OCR this year? One thing that was interesting is that I know Mike has the coach's terrace um, and there's like food, a food spread and stuff up there. Any thoughts on doing something similar in the OCR? Um, still, still tweaking that a little bit. Um, nothing dramatic as far as, you know, a change in how it's organized and operated, but, but, um, you know, you, you look at the new Belgian porch. I think we've got the formula right there because it's always packed and, OCR just, you know, it, it's not really where we want it to be. We've, we've talked a little bit about, so Patrick Curzay on our staff is, he's pivoted a year ago into a, a newly created role where he's director of Ram Legends. He used to be our director of community outreach, but his focus right now is solely on, on former letter winners. And we've, 
talked about, you know, do we do we put some kind of programming together where we get, you know, a, a certain amount of RAM legends that will be present and visible and sort of serve as hosts or ambassadors in, you know, select spaces, including OCR, but we haven't we haven't executed that concept yet, but that might be something that's coming. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, we enjoy our time in there and we actually, it's probably a natural thing because we usually do run into former student athletes in there every now and then. And, you know, such a great spot and it's got a great, nice little bar and everything. Um, but also price point wise and, and what you're getting is I'm not sure it's aligned, but we continue to do it because we enjoy it in there. So okay. um, yeah. Um, okay. So got a couple questions that we, we didn't get to from our uh, from some fans over the past couple months. Uh, one is from Dwayne in North Dakota, and I'm still trying to f understand what he's asking here. But um, so so essentially, the Pac-12 still exists as a two two team league with Washington State and Oregon State controlling the administration of that. Do they still maintain because the the autonomous five maintains a higher value vote in all these? NCAA decision making, do they continue to hold that to that higher value vote? And then, you know, if there is ever a, a split, like there's there's this talk of a split of between, you know, in, in the NCAA with the power five or the power four, whatever it is. And then the, the group of five, is there going to be a split of these someday? And how would those two schools vote if that did come to a vote? I don't even know if that is that even a, a up for a vote? I don't know what. Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. I I I know Dwayne. So hello, Dwayne. Um, <laughs> appreciate the question. Uh, yeah, I think you know right now as sort of the dust has settled on on the PEC two, um, you know they 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 now you know control the decisions of the conference. Um, I, I think they are still meeting the two plus the. The departing members to to sort out a few things, but you know I think the the big the big issues have been resolved as it relates to distribution of the remaining assets, with one exception I think, and that is the Pac-12 network. I think they're still working through that, and and at this time I think they do still maintain the same weighted vote that they had uh, when they were still a fully functional you know league of of twelve. I don't know how long that will last. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine that the the A four or Power four, you know, as as we move towards, you know, the future of the CFP will feel obligated to to keep them with the same weighted vote with just two members, or even if they're able to reconstitute themselves, you know, they they just, they, you know, that they look different than you know, the schools that are higher resourced. So I think that's sort of a TBD. Uh, the question, I think that the second part of Dwayne's question was, you know, what, what will the future look like? You know, right now there's just over 130 schools that are considered FBS. Um, and there's vast differences in the way that those schools are resourced from a budget perspective. Uh, probably at the at the low end, you know, departments that probably function on twenty million or maybe a little bit less annually, up to departments that function on you know probably close to or greater than three hundred million. So a lot of differences between schools that are resourced like that. You know, we 
we fall at a place where, you know, all things considered, our budget's probably close to 60 million. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're well above, um, you know, the tail end, but we are also far from, you know, the high ends, which are, you know, the Texas, Oklahoma's, Michigan's, um, Florida's, and, and, and that's fine, right? You know, that's just, you know, historically we've, we've engaged fans differently, um, than those programs and, and they've been able to, you know, leverage, uh, you know, the, the, the interest that, that their brands have in their, in their markets and regions and, and even nationally. Um, but, you know, I've always said that, you know, I, and I do today, even, you know, we want to play at the highest level of FBS that we possibly can. And I think, you know, we can construct programs that, that can be uh, reasonably competitive in those spaces. And, and that's what we're always going to strive to do. Um, but, but, you know, was it last week or maybe the week before last, the Big Ten, the SEC announced in a, an alliance where they formed some committee activities that involves uh, conference leadership and uh, some presidents and ADs within those leagues. And, and that's, I think that's a, um, a, a, a direct effort to begin to shape their future, um, maybe inclusive of the NCAA, but maybe maybe outside the NCAA. So, uh, um, you know, if, if that happens, then, you know, is it just football that they want to manage differently or is it, is it, is it basketball? Is it other sports? Is it all sports? Um, and if that moment happens and that will be kind of another tectonic shift in college athletics and, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what that means for, for, uh, schools that, that aren't, you know, inside those two leagues right now. Your, what's your personal thought on, are there benefits of splitting the two or that's, I don't know. In a, in an ideal world, I, I, you know, I mean, if that, if that split happened, then, you know, I think there'd be probably closure around, um, you know, around the CFP or whatever, whatever they call their championship, you know, and that, that doesn't feel good to be excluded from an opportunity like that. Uh, but you know now that the the championship is is expanding in the near term from four to twelve, you know we still we still do have a pathway to the CFP, which I, I think is great, and I think it's you know really energizing for for us and and something to you know to really strive for. Um, you know if they if they shut the door on that opportunity, then. You know, I, I'm sure we'll we'll find a way to, you know, play for something at the end of a regular season, you know, amongst, you know, the remaining teams that that, that might be excluded if there is an exclusionary moment from from uh, that 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 highest level of play. But but it's you know, it's and I don't know under what timeline this unfolds and I don't know if it ultimately does happen, but, you know, we want to be prepared for that. And it's. It's just what happens in the United States, you know. I mean, there, it's capitalism, and there's always consolidation of market power to, uh, you know, to to very few. There's a graphic. I don't know if you, you all have seen it. Um, Tony Altamore publishes yeah. some stuff. I don't know if you, yeah, looked at every FBS program and the viewership since 2016 to 2023, and it showed that there's 18 schools 
18 brands that make up about 50% or more of the football viewership of college football. And then there's 71 schools that make up 10%. And so that that's that illustration, you know, made it very clear to me that that there is a uh, a, a desire to, you know, reform in a different way that consolidates, you know, as much financial economic power at the top that they possibly can. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think it's. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I then we got to We got to behave differently as a fan base. Right. I mean, I keep saying that. Right. I mean, people don't like it when I say that. But, you know, let, let's do what we're doing in in basketball. You know, I mean, people need to care more, you know, in an SEC country and Big Ten country, people have a higher care factor for college football. And that's not to it's not to diminish, you know, but it's also just to point out a reality that, you know, you move west of the Mississippi and except for the southeast, you know, where there's Big 12 country, you know, fan bases have not historically responded like others in the country. And, you know, I mean, that's I'm not not being mean or, you know, trying to be. You know, but I'm just, I, I, you know, there's a reality and, and we can influence that reality if we choose to. Let's just choose to do it if we want to make things different. I agree. It's 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 hard watching it. But I mean, again, it is a reality and it's where we're at. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got a couple more questions from. Are you getting so, choked oh, up, Mike? Are you getting choked up? Say that again. You getting choked up? Say that again. I said, are you getting choked up? Or you're not going to. I am. I am. <laughs> I just want us to be. <laughs> I do too. I, you know, I, I mean, I know you guys do. I know the people that show up at our games do, you know, and, and it, and, you know, and it is special, you know, I mean, I, you know, when Moby's full and campus is full and, and our teams are winning, it feels great. And it's going to continue to feel great. Yeah. This, this year at, at Moby has been amazing. It has really been amazing. And hopefully that carries over to football next, uh, next fall. So uh, a couple more questions. Uh, again, these are from posters on the board. Uh, when, when a student enters the portal, and I'm, and I'm sure we'll be seeing this in about a month and a half during spring ball, uh, how do we handle their scholarship? Does it terminate immediately, or do we push that off to the end of the semester? Um, yeah, so if a, if a, I mean, the most important thing for any one of our students is to navigate them towards their bachelor's degree. So, you know, everyone has, um, you know, a projected graduation date. And so, um, you know, we try and align that projected graduation date with their, their uh, final season of eligibility if if, you know, if a, in the way, by way of example, if a football player, you know, their final season, you know, is in the fall, but they need one more semester until they graduate, you know, so they're a May, a May graduate, a May graduate, um, then, you know, their, their scholarship's going to remain in place and, and we're going to support them so they do, in fact, you know, earn their degree. Um, there is occasions now with the transfer portal where, where, uh, you know, someone comes in and, <clears throat> you know, they participate in whatever number of seasons of eligibility they have remaining, what, whether it's one or two. And if they, 
um, haven't finished, you know, a second bachelor's or they haven't finished their master's degree, you know, we, we let them know directly up front that, you know, that the scholarship isn't going to carry forward. Um, but, you know, to us, we feel like the full obligation is to help them get the bachelor's degree and we're going to do everything possible to make that happen. All right. So one more, uh, does your staff have any upcoming ideas to engage fans, whether it's during spring ball, the uh, the spring game stuff leading into the football season to, to fall sports volleyball as well uh coming up yeah you know um you know you know jay's very committed to having a spring game every year so this one will land on saturday october or i'm sorry saturday april 20th so saturday april 20th is our spring game we are building a green and gold weekend around that. So just like in the last couple of years, you know, the, there's the grit run, which is the 5K that that's a fundraiser for cystic fibrosis. It'll happen before the game itself. You know, we circle the weekend to really try and get our, um, you know, former letter winners back um, in all sports, but, but certainly a, a full focus on football. So there'll be some activities around that weekend for our, our Ram legends and uh, the university is planning a concert um, that that weekend in Moby Arena. Um, you know, it'll be focused, I think, mostly on students like the Goose concert was in the fall. But trying to do as many things as we can to give people, you know, a reason to be in Fort Collins and and spend some time with us. Those last two questions were from uh, Tim in Nevada. Thanks, Tim, for sending those in. Um, got one more. And this has actually been on our list for a few months. So this dated back to when we'd had a rough loss to a rival again in football. And uh, this is from Ben Fletcher in Windsor. And he was just asking that, you know, with a lot of coaches contracts, you build in incentives with making a bowl game, making a new year's bowl. Is there anything related to Jay Norrell's contract in particular about beating rivals? Uh, there, There's a, if he achieves a, a certain number of wins in the season, there's some bonuses around that, but nothing specific to particular teams. Yeah. There's an incentive for bowl games and then, you know, other postseason activities too. Any thought to ever building something like that in? Obviously everyone wants to beat those guys anyway, but uh, I don't know with, I think with the, the trend of so many losses to rivals in football, I think, I think this is what Ben is getting at. Can we build in some sort of extra incentive? So, yeah, you know, I don't know. Here, here's my thought per personally, and I, I made a change myself. So I I'm here to do a job and my job is to, you know, put our teams in a position where they, they can win and earn championships and put our students in a position where they're going to graduate from a tier one research institution I don't need to be incentivized to do that job. I wake up every day and I grind and the people around me do the very same thing. Um, so when I did my renewal extension now, almost, well, when was that? It'll be two years ago, I guess, a year ago, whatever. Um, I, I asked the university to remove all my incentive compensation. My base salary is enough for me to, to do the work that I'm supposed to do. And I wish there'd be more ADs in the country that would do the same thing because it, it, I think it's ridiculous sometimes when you get down to the minutia of the way some contracts read that how we incentivize, you know, administrators, especially, I, I understand the coaching space a little bit better why you want to do that. But, but I wake up 
and I grind every day to make this place as best as I can do it. And I don't need to be compensated above my base salary to make that happen. And I wanted to do something tangible to, to, to demonstrate that. Well, that's cool. Well said. Last thing for me is uh, finally you've got all these spring sports start, starting to get underway. Is that uh, invigorating you seeing all these other teams start their seasons? Yeah. You know, I mean, everyone works so hard through the fall and, and, you know, for the, the sports that have their championship seasons in the spring, you know, now it's, now it's, you know, it's game time, right. And track and field is propped up and going. Um, they've got indoor championships coming up here in Albuquerque pretty soon. You're starting to see some PRs and some school records drop even before that championship event, which is fantastic. Um, you know, I, I think both of our track teams are focused on earning, you know, the the championship trophy in Albuquerque. So it's going to be exciting for them to do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it down for one afternoon, one evening, and and one full day um, of the of the indoor championships. It's hosted by New Mexico, so I'm. Excited to be um, there and present and support our student athletes. Swim and dive has their championship meet coming up soon. Um, softball had a, a series this weekend um, in uh, California, and tennis beat Missouri, which is phenomenal. You know that that you can get an SEC school to come in to Fort Collins and and they they beat them. I think the the, the score was um, five two. I think so. You know, it, it just proves again that, you know, CSU Rams, you know, get it done. And it's exciting when they happen, when that happens. Anything else for me, Michael? No, no. I'm just uh, just excited about what this week has in store. Another sellout on Saturday. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun. You know, it's it's you know, it, it, there's a buzz around the community when our teams are, are doing well, and particularly men's basketball right now. And. You know, they got a big one on Tuesday night, so tomorrow night in San Diego. So that, that Viejas, I'm sure, is going to be rocking. And um, and then, yep, we get a chance to come back and play the Aggies on Saturday. Well, fingers crossed, get, getting a win in Viejas would, would go a long way towards putting us in position to compete for that championship, so regular season championship. So, Joe, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to seeing you tonight. It's great catching up with you, as always. You bet. Thanks, guys. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.